With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Class is in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL podcast. I'm Gary Grambling. I'm Connor Orr. And we are five-sixths of the way through Wildcard Weekend. And, uh, Connor, we are going to start this one at the end of the Cowboys-49ers game, which uh, was mind-blowing in all the wrong ways. Yeah, what a just an exhausting display of stupidity. It was, um, I, I mean, neither team seemed remotely interested in advancing to the next round. It was like, um, what was the... Um, <laughs> Was it like China and Taiwan playing badminton or China and Korea? Do you do you know what I'm talking about? It was like the I badminton have, match. I have no idea what you're talking about. You don't you don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of Olympic no. badminton history? No, okay. no, no. Both teams were trying to lose the badminton match because in their round robin play, they oh. would have gotten to play like New Zealand, who was ter- like a, a country that is obviously yeah. bad at badminton like new zealand what do they know about badminton but um <laughs> uh so one of those teams was like gonna play new zealand and so they would just like serve the shuttlecock and then they would the other team would just stare at it and watch it just like hit the ground <laughs> and uh it was amazing it went on forever and people booed and they said it was like the ultimate disgrace to badminton this was not that bad um but it was uh with, with jimmy garoppolo just con- continuously serving the ball up to Dallas and then Mike McCarthy running the strangest follow-up to a fake punt I've ever seen in my life. Um, it was just, the entire thing was was amazing. Okay, it, let, me, let me start here because I want to make sure that I'm not losing it. Wouldn't you rather run two plays from the 40 than one play from the 25 to the end zone? Mike McCarthy's logic was, and he actually said this uh, he said would you rather run a hail mary from the 40 he said from the 50 but they were closer than that they were, they were ra- on like the 40 yeah. yeah he said would you rather run a hail mary from the 40 or would you rather run five verts from the 20 and i was like two hail marys from the 40 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah like you know but um yeah, I mean, Mike McCarthy spent a lot of time reading Pro Football Focus this uh, this summer, so maybe we just don't know uh, the answer to that question. <laughs> it's the the analytics thing that uh, that comes up with him, and he said it. He said he was into analytics now. That's when he the was, thing you can't yep. say it. Yeah. Yep. 
Oh boy. I yeah, let's let's uh look at the play by play and find out specifically where that play was run from. Uh and it was from the forty one. So <laughs> he's Yeah. Just a, he's just a liar. It's it's okay. So setting that aside, uh, you know, he, he said they practiced that play, the QB draw to set up the the ball from the twenty five or whatever it was gonna be. Uh you haven't practiced it well enough if neither your quarterback nor your center know to get the ball to an official before it goes down. And, you know, look, we have criticized the official on the show. They they have drawn proper criticism, uh, rightful criticism as the year has gone on. This is not on the official. When you are in a situation where you are depending on the umpire to run like a four four forty to get the ball <laughs> spotted, like you're, you, it's on you when the clock expires. And what's remarkable about this is if you're practicing that play, if that's your two minute play, which Mike McCarthy mm-hmm. said we practice this play every single week. This is our two minute play. Why isn't the quarterback handing the ball to the official at the end of the play? Because that's what you have to do. You can't give the ball to your center. The official has to set the ball. Like, wouldn't it be great if you were the team and you just got to decide where you snap the ball from (laughs) on every play? But it's and I'm not saying this is not me saying like Dak Prescott screwed this up. This is me saying like if you're Mike McCarthy like that has to be part of it because you have to yeah. assume that you're not going to have any timeouts, that this is a running clock. Um, all this stuff is going on. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. It's just like, why was this your play? And his, his rationale, I mean, the 49ers did call a timeout to shift to the sideline defense. I mean, they had, I mean, they were just basically like guarding the sideline exclusively, which is yep. what you do during that situation. So you mm-hmm. take the chunk plays, but under those scenarios, you, would have had to have had a feel for timing on that, uh, how long it takes for all that stuff. And everyone's saying, too, that Dak should have slid three yards earlier. Come on. Like, <laughs> the play just shouldn't have been called. It's, oh boy. I mean, in a way, it was a fitting ending for a team that just just really showed up unprepared for this game. I mean, the pre-snap penalties uh, that just piled up as this one went on, the, uh, I, look, I don't want to pull Bones Fossil into this because, quite frankly, the Cowboys special teams is what ended up keeping them in this game. That similar play where, you know, they, they got the fake punt first down, they kept the punt unit on the field because they were trying to do some, you know, uh, chicanery with the uh, with the substitution and then did the like the full offense substitution, all that stuff. Uh, and they did not calculate the time correctly. And they ended up getting a delay of game and everyone's getting on the officials for holding up the snap. I mean, you substituted. So now the snap gets held up. And the 49ers are not obligated to rush and panic and get their guys on the field. They did the, I mean, they basically just beat the Cowboys at their own game and got a free five yards out of it. I'm curious if you noticed, too. uh, I was watching the sideline, and so Fossil calls the fake punt. And then he goes bananas. Like, he's so excited that they hit this thing. And he's like... He's like James Brown, like in the 60s. He's just like shaking on the sideline. He's so excited. And then they decide to do whatever this thing is where they keep the punter out. And he's just like, like meandering about, kind of like pretending to be the quarterback, not pretending to be the quarterback. Mike McCarthy looks over at him. And then Fossil is going, no, no, keep them out there. It's going to work. Like he said something to that degree. And then Mike McCarthy is just like, okay. But it's like, dude, you're the head coach. You get to decide what you do. Like, the special teams coordinator isn't in charge of the team. You are. And you can just be like, let's cut this shit out and pull these guys off the field. Uh, Bones Fossil just said, you know, whatever. I like Bones, though. I'm I'm a big Bones guy. uh, The fake punt was one of the key plays for them. I mean, look... Uh, Brian Anger was basically their player of the game in this one. I mean, he was bombing punts the entire game. The only thing that went right in this game for the Cowboys was the special team. So, uh, but yeah, he, uh, I don't know. That that was a little bit of a, oh boy, thinking you're hot at the blackjack table and and sort of getting out of control a little bit there. Uh, Take the fake punt, get your offense back on the field and and start trying to move the ball, mostly unsuccessfully again. Uh, And look, 
I don't really know if the Cowboys stay in this one if Nick Bosa doesn't go out with a concussion as well because their offensive line got overwhelmed. I mean, and and we haven't said that very often about the Cowboys, and the 49ers obviously have a really good front four, but uh, they were getting pressure with four, and uh, I mean, I I don't know. It's just, it's just every phase of the game, they just, they they didn't, they didn't show up. Yeah, and... If you Jerry Jones, this presents a fairly interesting dilemma, right? Because it wasn't only Nick Bosa, it was Fred Warner, and mm-hmm. Fred Warner was on the sideline for a lot of this. And so I think if you're Jerry Jones, where is your decision-making process go from here? Because if you remember, a couple of years ago, he freaked out when he thought he was losing Jason Garrett and fired Wade Phillips. And you know uh, now he basically has two Jason Garretts because Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore are interviewing for almost every opening. Um Assume, you know, there might even mm-hmm. be another opening in the next few few weeks. Uh, we don't know for sure, but they're going to interview for almost every opening. And Kellen Moore is not Sean McVay, and don't m- misconstrue. Not you, Gary. I know you won't. But, uh, <laughs> all you, all you jerks out there, uh, don't misconstrue what I'm about to say. Like he's not Sean McVay, but owners like lump people together, right? And yeah. If they were like, we're looking for Sean McVay, like Kellen Moore is like the only one left at the at the table, you know, it's yep. like yep. under 35 offensive minded, you know, all that kind of stuff, former quarterback, whatever. Um, so he's going to get looks. Dan Quinn, this is going to be a really popular retread cycle. A lot of other owners I heard are into the second chance thing. That's going to be a big theme for this year. Todd Bowles, Vance Joseph, all these guys are going to get looks. Brian Flores is going to get hired again. Um So he's going to have to decide, like, do I keep Mike McCarthy after that game or do I just go with one of these guys who are clearly in demand elsewhere? And I will say that, like, if I'm McCarthy, I'm like I'm giving a middle finger to the broadcast crew because they basically just like followed him around like he was like on Broadway doing a one man show. And it was just like. It was just the portrait of a man like wilting under a hot sun for like 60 minutes and he he just couldn't get off the camera and he was anguished and confused and it was just a really like it doesn't represent the whole truth but as an owner if you're looking at that you're probably being mm-hmm. like, good god what's happening here Well and and look all those things you just mentioned those were already kind of bubbling under the surface now and it was kind of like well you know as long as they don't have a meltdown against the 49ers <laughs> even if they lost to the 49ers you kind of be like ah oh, hey but whatever quality team sometimes they just come in and and get you on the right day just the way they lost this game where the 49ers really did uh look D'Amico Ryans did really great things on the defensive side of the ball uh Dak Prescott was clearly not comfortable with what he was seeing downfield uh <laughs> but man, I don't know. I mean, the the outside of the opening drive, the Niners' run game wasn't really dominating. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo lives another day here. But uh, gosh, if you're Mike McCarthy, I mean, you you kind of this fit a narrative too nicely, uh, and nicely is uh, the wrong word to use because it's not nice at all for Mike McCarthy. Yeah, they're t- the NFL is turning into. Um, I I used to argue with, <laughs> mostly joking, but sometimes not. And then that's when Andy uh, Benoit used to get really upset with me. Like I I would say that the NFL was predetermined and rigged, and then he would get very very upset. Now obviously, like Andy is you know coaching for an NFL franchise. If if it was predetermined, he's part of the bit. Maybe that's why he was mm-hmm. so mad. He didn't want me to blow up the spot. <laughs> um, but it just felt like. Like, if you were in a writing room, like, if you were in Roger Goodell's humorless humorless writing room, like, you would be like, man, everybody out there thinks this guy is a real boob. Let's let's design an entire game, an entire episode around him just being a total boob. And he was, yeah. like, you know, that everything about that game, you know, down right down to the, you know, 14 penalties, which ties a franchise record um, in the postseason – you know, unfortunately, that that's something you sign your name to as a head coach. That doesn't get blamed on the offensive coordinator. That doesn't get blamed mm-hmm. on the defensive coordinator. That gets blamed on you. Whew, as far as the 49ers go, uh, look, Fred Warner, I, I don't know. I, I, I He's obviously, you know, whatever. We're Sunday night right now. They're going to play next weekend. That's a huge one. Nick Bosa is going to be concussion protocol. 
Uh, they're going to go out to Lambeau. We know the matchup at this point. And, uh, you know, if, if you're the Packers, you're probably pretty happy with the way this played out in that, uh, yes, their two sort of defensive player of the year caliber players are now both banged up coming into this one. And if you're the Packers, you're, you also might have some uh, some horrible memories of what happened when you went out to Santa Clara two years ago in the NFC title game and uh, Raheem Mostert, I don't know, ran for uh, it was like 788 yards or something like that in that game. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- after that game, it was like they looked around and said, "Okay, let's. It's time to get out of dime. Let's stop mm. playing dime." You know, and uh, <laughs> and they did. I mean, they they moved into more of a, a you know this this defense, and it's funny. I mean, they lost to a 49ers team that was running their offense. Yeah, the forty, you know, the the team that created their offense. And so, how did you go into that game back in 2019? thinking that you could handle that with such a light box and such light personnel they've since changed things around obviously they've gotten um they've gotten a different identity defensively i think they'll be better equipped to handle it that said um the fact that like elijah mitchell is rolling now along with debo samuel you essentially have in the 49ers maybe the best two back backfield remaining in the playoffs right now i mean outside of aaron jones and aj Dillon, i mean you, you really do have a, a, a whole lot of talent there and it probably comes down to jimmy garoppolo whether he's able to give you a professional grade performance or not all right let's continue our journey back in time to the early one on sunday eagles buccaneers I don't know, Connor. I mean, we were looking forward to this one being a little more interesting than uh, it actually was. And uh, look, I was surprised. We did our midweek show and we talked a little bit about uh, how the Bucks' run defense maybe had slid back a little bit and Levante David has been out, et cetera, et cetera. And Levante David ended up suiting up. And all of a sudden it looks like Todd Bowles has his full complement of players. And as much as we look at his Bucks team and say, oh, you know, Antonio Brown is gone now and Chris Godwin's out for the year and they're running out of weapons, et cetera, et cetera, this was a team that rode to the Super Bowl on the strength of their defense last year. And now all of a sudden, for the first time, really since like the season opener, Todd Bowles has his full complement of players back in the lineup. Yeah, and and you're seeing them lean on those strengths. And what was so interesting was not only were the Buccaneers kind of struggling, but the Buccaneers were struggling specifically against perimeter runs. And that was Philadelphia's bread and butter going into this game, which is why I thought, no brainer. I mean, they're going to cover at the very least, and uh, they're going to give this team a game. And it was really, for those of you who didn't watch, I mean, it's 31-15. I mean, it was 31-0 at halftime. This game wasn't remotely close. And uh, it was sorely disappointing because... A little peek behind the curtain. I had an Eagles column that I really wanted to write, and editor Mitch said I couldn't write it unless they got the game within ten points. And so I, uh, I pouted and I pouted, and I didn't want to write about the Buccaneers. And so uh, it was a real bummer for me. But uh, uh, ended up just writing about the Buccaneers anyway. But eight rushes for thirty-nine yards for Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders to have seven carries for sixteen yards. That's that's a big boy performance from from the Buccaneers, and and that that is what they do uh exceptionally well in addition to have to have vaughn come around in their own their own running game uh i think adds a different dynamic there this is a better team um than we've seen over the last few weeks yeah and i mean look their safeties were getting involved i mean that was a uh they just sort of came up and you know basically told the eagles you're not going to run the ball and the eagles didn't really have a counter punch to throw at that point and uh (laughs) I don't know. It, it was it got out of hand, and it was just it was kind of a bummer because it was when you step back and look at it holistically, it was a nice season for the Eagles here, and it was a nice season for Jalen Hurts, who's a guy that I mean, look back in like August September, that front office couldn't wait to go find their Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson or whoever they were going to bring in, and uh, you know Jalen Hurts kind of fell into the starting job by default, and he ended up earning it, and he should have the job going forward here. Am I allowed? Am I allowed to continue my tradition of just? espousing my takes that mitch won't let me write for the website on the yeah podcast. i mean that's what this podcast is for yeah just we should rename it connor or's b-sides um, <laughs> it's the, the workaround podcast <laughs> the howie roseman's executive of the year uh 
And he's like, nobody wants to read that today. And I was like, I don't care. I want to shout it from the rooftops. He has three first round picks next year. Uh, Doesn't need to spend any of them on a quarterback. Uh, Can replenish the offensive line, which is aging out at this point. Uh, Or do whatever he wants with it. And you have your coach of the future. Uh, You won the Carson Wentz trade. Like all that stuff. Uh, And I don't think anybody looks better. Uh, in the NFL right now in terms of like an, an executive that can just high step his way into the off season. Yeah. Like the, the Eagles get pushed around. Yes. But like they shouldn't have been in the playoffs anyway. I, Se- I will. Seventh seed is stupid. Uh, seventh seed is stupid. Uh, <laughs> Jalen Rager had a, uh, had a rough one today. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how much of it is, uh, you know, it's like, Oh, we got three first round picks. So they'll have, they'll pick what three times between 15 and 19. At this point, I think it's like uh, 15, 18, and 19 or something like that. But um, I don't know how much of it is like, oh, we have three for Trump picks, but look at how we spent the last couple. Devontae Smith has been really good, but before that, it was Jalen Rayer. Before that, it was Andre Dillard. Um, and guys just aren't really uh, contributing to this point. What I assume, what I anticipate they will do is uh, basically, you know, trade out of one of those picks and have at least two first round picks in 2023 so that if they do want to jump mm-hmm. back in the quarterback conversation, they can go ahead and do that when it's a much better quarterback class uh, coming at, coming into the draft here. But uh, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's a bummer to see Jalen Hurts' season end this way because, you know, whatever. It, again, it, he's a guy who didn't really have the trust of the full organization, might have had the trust of the coaching staff, but uh, he earned it through the season, and now with this performance, kind of like, oh, yeah, right. That's why in September we didn't feel great about this. Yeah. And it's hard, too, because, like you said, the way that Tampa played them defensively, it's sort of like they sort of baited the Eagles into doing this, right? They were like, we're going to slow the conventional rundown, and then we're going to force you to try to zone read it and then watch what we do with our safeties. I mean, they brought them up and almost used them as secondary helpers on whoever Hertz was trying to manipulate off the line, right? So he was trying to, you know, if you're trying to manipulate the defensive end and then you have that one guy to take care of, they would just bring up a safety and it's like, okay, well, now you have to deal with me too. And they just did an excellent job of defending zone read. They did an excellent job of defending conventional runs. And then that's when you're pinning Jalen Hurts into the one thing that they can't pin him into, which is conventional dropback passer. And it's hard, right? If you're the Eagles... This was a nice season. You're never going to get that performance out of Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey again, probably. So you're probably not going to be able to replicate this. And so you really do need to go out and win this offseason in order to keep this going. Uh, but here's to hoping they do. I mean, I, I think I think Hertz deserves a lot of credit for uh, for playing the way he did this year. All right, the Bucks move on to the divisional round. They will host the winner of the Monday night game between the Rams and the Cardinals. Uh, yeah, the defense is back. The offense is the offense. It's it's like a it's just a very Tom Brady offense at this point. I'm just so this is going to be the because it's a beautifully efficient offense. Like it is what every NFL coach and quarterback aspires to create. But it just sucks to watch. Like it's just <laughs> it's so boring, and I'm just. And this, this, well, I've had a lot of bad takes on this show. This is going to be my worst one. Um, I'm just, I'm just tired of watching a Tom Brady offense. And that, that could be the biggest compliment to him, uh, because he's figured out a way to just manipulate the NFL in a, in a way that he will never not Mm -hmm. win. And that's great for him. It just sucks. It just sucks for, for me. I, I I don't find it particularly aesthetically pleasing. Like, if you were to ask me, like, would you rather watch the Eagles score 13 points but do it in a cool way every round of the playoffs or watch the Bucks put up 40, I would rather the Eagles watch the Eagles score 13. No, I'm uh... – it's not just because I'm a nice guy. I, I'm with you on that take. I've I've had that take before. I used to have this argument about uh, uh, when Josh Allen was like a complete wild man. And it's like, I would rather watch Josh Allen do, you know, who knows what's going to happen on any play. Uh, turnovers are fun. Uh, inefficient football. Incomplete passes are no fun. But like inefficient football, like just, you know, it, it, like a wide range of things that could happen on any given snap. That stuff is fun. Uh, Tom Brady is just... <laughs> 
It's just ice cold efficiency. Mike McCarthy was just he was he listened to the lead of the podcast and then he listened to this and he was like, "Come on, Gary, you can't just say that. Can't be mean to me and then say uh, wild football is fun now. Can't just like can't just back into that." I did not expect the Cowboys would just run out the clock on themselves. <laughs> Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Steelers Chiefs. You know something, Connor? You and I, we're in the... the predictions making business let's call it that's not really a business but let's call it a business and uh we're wrong a lot of the time and the weird thing is sometimes when we think we're the most right we end up being terribly wrong like you're just sure how a game's gonna go and it goes some completely opposite way uh that did not happen on on sunday night we were both exactly right anyone who has watched these two teams play football in 2021 slash 22 knew exactly how this game would play out Uh, even with the bonus of you know if you wanted to say like well Steelers could stay in it if like Cam Hayward were to strip a ball and TJ Watt were to scoop it up and run for a touch that happened that that, that, like (laughs) every everything the Steelers could have done to win this game to win this game happened Uh, they were just mathematically incapable of winning it yeah I mean at one point in the third quarter, I looked at um, Ben Roethlisberger's passing chart, and he had attempted five passes beyond the line of scrimmage. Five. Uh, the rest of them were at least a yard or two behind the line of scrimmage. And honestly, what are you doing at that point? Like, if you're not going to... If you're the Steelers and you're not going to come in there and just totally Brandon Staley the thing and go for every fourth down and just be crazy, um, you know, unpredictable people to try to match the intensity of your defense, what are you doing? Like the idea that you were going to somehow play clock control ball and keep the keep Patrick Mahomes off the field enough to edge out like a, a classic Steeler victory was just an asinine <laughs> thought process going into this game. First of all, wipe your hard drive because you don't want anyone finding out you're looking at a Ben Roethlisberger passing chart uh, in this day and age. <laughs> Gross. Uh, my whole thing with this team, and we had this conversation all summer, and I was the uh, the obstinate jerk along the way, and I just kept on saying, why would Ben Roethlisberger come back to run the offense they ran last year? That was that was a completely uh, just disastrous <laughs> offense. They wouldn't do that. And yeah, they did, and they did it all year, and whatever. I mean, look. Even if they came out and were just like we're we're just gonna, I don't know, we're gonna pull out the old K gun, we're gonna we're gonna chuck it seventy times, and and they're all gonna be downfield. Uh, it still wasn't gonna work. They just they weren't gonna win this game unless there were just a series of those plays. And by the way, I just want to point out, why do you if you're the Chiefs in this game, why do you run the Wildcat with Miko Hardman, who has had basically ball handling issues all season just in terms of like catching the ball and running with it uh why do you why did you do that that was the, that's my only criticism of uh of the Chiefs in this one maybe you knew that he was struggling with ball control issues and you figured you were going to win this game by 60 points mm-hmm. so you put him in there to give him some confidence um my question for you so going back to the Steelers offense have you ever have you ever had pretzel chips oh yeah yeah, like the, like the thin pretzels. Yep, okay. those are good. So yeah, they're great. But it, you know, what it tastes like a, a pretzel, right? Yeah, like it tastes like a regular pretzel. And so I was looking at the packaging on it the other day, 
and on the back it said, "We set out to rethink the pretzel," and I was like, "What a <laughs> what an amazing claim!" and and that was what I kept thinking of when I saw like the Steelers, like they came into this year trying to rethink the pretzel. But like, here's the thing: when you rethink a pretzel, it tastes like a goddamn pretzel, and like and like the whole time you and I were saying like, well. Because you and I are big Matt Canada guys, we are like Matt Canada yeah, does a yeah. Matt Canada does a summer tour. You and I are in the you and I are in the whatever you want to call it the lawn seats, dancing, having a good time. Mm-hmm, we are we mm-hmm. are seeing Matt Canada live, but nothing like we were like, oh Najee Harris, Matt Canada, pretzels never going to be the same again. No, guess what? Tasted like a pretzel, like a salty, <laughs> crunchy thing. That just is so ultimately what's well, I don't know I like pretzels but like ultimately not what you want to build the entire meal around. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. I will say, I mean, look, they they did rethink the pretzel. It, it was it was original. It, they can call it a chip now. They they legally can do that. Uh, I guess the only way you can go with it, you can that I don't know, like a like a super thick pretzel, like too <laughs> thick to even like uh, you got to chip away at it with like a. Uh, I don't know, one of those little all and hammer type things. It's like the uh, size of like a Robert Caro novel. Like it's yeah. just like you just you get a bag and just one of them comes out. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> it's here's your pretzel. It's more for show at this point, but uh, we'll work on that. We'll rethink the rethought pretzel. But yeah, I don't know, man. I look Ben, ben Roethlisberger had a uh, on the field had a wonderful career. And in his prime was just uh, an absolute sight to behold out there. And what it was the last two years was, boy, it, it was really just unwatchable. Reminded me of one time I left a job and I and I left like I told everyone I was leaving and I said goodbye and I walked out and then the cab wasn't there and then. And it wasn't going to be there for like 25 more minutes. I thought oh. it was there, but it wasn't like the Uber canceled. So I had to turn around and walk back in after I had like emotionally hugged everybody and said goodbye forever. And then just kind of stood around and everyone was like, so like, what are your, you know, how's your dog? You know, did you, uh, did you give him a bath recently? And uh, I think that's kind of what Ben Roethlisberger's thing was. It was like, okay, we did like we did weeks of goodbyes. Like we did the final home game. We did the final game game. We did the we did the whole thing. And and then we had to do this crappy seventh seed playoff game. Which God, like I'm still bothered by this. Like if you're gonna do it, like you said, pull out the K gun. Like just do something totally insane that nobody's prepared for and leave the field with your arm so barely intact that like you're not going to be able to like throw a wiffle ball for the next 10 years just like why not what else are you like why are we like punting in this game it just doesn't make any sense uh it's over now we're past it Thank uh you. they will uh, mercifully i i man can you imagine if he came back next year no, no, I, okay. The so they're gonna, <laughs> so they're gonna have a new quarterback next season. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe they, maybe they can lure uh, Russell Wilson or or uh, one of these dudes who comes free here. Maybe they get one in the draft as they have in the past. But uh, it's gonna be someone and something different there. And it's still, it's an interesting group uh, in the receiving core. It's an offensive line that. You figure, you know, let's think optimistically. Will will steadily improve uh, as they as they play together more often. Here, uh, the defense is just super weird. The defense is it, it really is just T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward, and then uh, and, you know, Micah Fitzpatrick, and then it's just like, gosh, I mean, they they couldn't stop the run. Jarek McKinnon looked like I don't know, uh, I don't know what the comp is at this point. Uh, he looked like a really good running back. <laughs> he looked like. You look like Barry Sanders or something out there in this game. And I don't know, man, this was just not a game that should have been staged. Yeah. I, I think that there are times um, I've referenced this before, but um, are you, you, you like wet hot American summer, right? Uh, I like it. Yeah. Not a super fan, but I like it. Okay. I, I'm a, I, I would, I would classify myself as a super fan. The scene okay. where 
the campers are playing kickball from the other place and they just get off the bus <laughs> and then they decide that it would be trite to play the game. That's yeah. what should have happened today, yeah. right? That That's like, I, I think I've referenced this on the show before, but like they, they, <laughs> the Steelers should have gotten there and Mike Tomlin just should have said, yeah, you know, this just feels, this just feels a little forced, you know? I mean, mm. you guys can... Do whatever you want here, and then we're just going to hightail it on out of there. Good motivational speech from him, though, I would say. Uh, uh, told his players before the game, we're not blinking. Uh, I guess meaning, like, we're not going to be afraid. And he said, if you're a blinker, cut your eyelids off. Which, <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. All so, right. Um, nice. You know, I mean, that, that's I your mean, idea of, you know. It's going beyond Dan Campbell. Yeah, that's a that's that's some kind of self mutilation at this point. If you did cut your eyelids <laughs> off, what would happen? Like you need to blink, right? Yeah. Like you right? ha- like it it needs to happen. Ah, uh, I feel like we're gonna get really weird emails over this. Rightfully <laughs> so. I mean, we like, brought it up. There's like a there's like a really niche optometrist that deals in like. Uh, eyelid removal and he's just like and he just slams the table and he's like thank god something to email this podcast about the 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans and yet there's complexity at every turn criminal trials for one of those candidates young voters who are angry the campaign moment podcast from the Washington Post gives you what matters I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Patriots Bills. All right. So, yeah, the, the Bills went out and played essentially a perfect offensive game in the very, very cold weather. Connor, you were, you were out there. Uh, give me your impressions of the cold and then give me your impressions of the game. I was called um, I was called weak uh, by my in-laws actually because uh, I was at the game and they said, "Well, how cold was it?" And I said, "Well, it was nine degrees." And they said, "Well, at our house it was negative one degrees, so it was way hmm. colder for us." And they, and but it's a different kind of cold. It's like an all-encompassing. Like it feels like um, if you're sticking like a, like a large adhesive to your body, like. Um, like if imagine if your whole body was covered in a bandaid and then that adhesive from the bandaid was was like negative 10 degrees. That's how it felt um, okay. to be All outside. Right. I took my gloves off to text somebody and then my hands immediately went numb. Um so and I went to use a porta potty and the blue water was all frozen. So it was like oh. a giant block of like yeah, so like everything that had happened in there before was just frozen in time for a minute and it was you know, I mean, porta potties are gross anyway, but so that was sort of the elements. Um, but a fun game to go to. I went into it wanting to do a story on Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, and mm-hmm. so I I had charted. Um, I planned to chart their whole game, where they were lined up, how many different places they had lined up, all their responsibilities, and I did it for the first like three quarters, and then. Um, the editor Mitch said, you know, we can't, we can't write this game about like two safeties. Like this is one of the most dominant ass kickings in the history of professional football. That said, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are amazing. And basically Micah Hyde with that interception won the game. Uh, I think early on, uh, to close on that, um, Nelson Aguilar ball and then put them up 14, nothing. And then they kept Mac Jones from even dreaming of attempting a pass beyond five yards. They were so dominant in that game. And I think if they make the Super Bowl, they are going to be such a large reason why. I mean, that's not this isn't an academic groundbreaking moment here. They're both all pros, but they were just spectacular. 
Yeah, there's a uh, look. There's there's a butterfly effect argument to be made about that interception. Uh, it felt huge at the moment. Uh, we just didn't know that the Bills were literally going to score a touchdown every time their offense got on the got on the field in that game, which obviously ended up being the the larger factor. But uh, it was, I mean, it was incredible range on that play. It was also it was it was a weird play in that Mac Jones tried to pump. Mm-hmm. To the it was to the same side of the field, and it's like Hunter Henry's route was too deep for that pump to actually draw uh, Micah Hyde toward him. So the pump just ended up actually starting Micah Hyde on a sprint, basically toward the spot where he intercepted the ball. Uh, and I don't know. I maybe there's a lesson to be learned in there. Maybe the the route should be spaced out a little bit differently if you are going to utilize a pump on that play, but uh, nonetheless, just a pretty spectacular play. And there's an inherent confidence there, too. Like, I didn't see Micah Hyde flinch, and they were backed up, so that was the perfect view for us because mm-hmm. in the the Bills press box, we're in the corner of the end zone, and so they were backed up right against us, and so, and I was watching Hyde anyway, and you're right. He didn't, he didn't move on the fake. He also saw... Jordan Poyer had Hunter Henry and I mean they've worked so well together for so long he's like I'm not even moving up on that because I know he's got him covered and so why don't I just kind of start heading in this direction but still I think next gen stats had it he closed 24 yards in 2.9 seconds which is just ridiculous like and uh and and made like a Willie Mays catch uh right out in front of Nelson Aguilar's face but uh it it was tremendous and then I think from a confidence perspective for them to come back then and continuously run the ball like Devin Singletary has now emerged as um as a legitimate rushing threat and the there was like a lot of effort bills are funny like uh, after the game there was like oh you know just basically them making fun of reporters all year for being like ah you guys didn't believe Dangle Devin Singletary, and it's like, well, you know, <laughs> they, they were, you know, they, they had a reason to not believe for a long time, and now he's playing well. So, good, you know, good for you guys. I, you know, everything is working out. But um, home run day for Brian Dable. I thought that was just, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that that was your, you just laminated the resume. You bought the fancy paper for the resume, and you turned that in. And I love the fact that they just did not take their foot off the Patriots' throat at all. I mean, they were. They were throwing play action dimes up forty to ten, and uh, and that was the kind of night where like you just go into the rest of the playoffs kind of like rolling a little bit. Like it reminded me of a little bit of like how the Legion of Boom Seahawks used to treat people, and mm-hmm. it worked for them confidence wise. You know that you you get something rolling going there. You saw a hint, and, and look, Josh Allen and his throwing the ball uh, was sort of the the story of the game here. But you said it with Devin Singletary, and you saw something of a different identity that we haven't seen from this offense this year. I mean, look, Reggie Gilliam, I, they, they don't have the snap counts at, at uh, PFR yet, but uh, I'm guessing that was his season high for sort of snap percentage, uh, or at least around there. Uh, so, you know, you have two backs out there. You, you can do that if you want. And uh, you can also just have Josh Allen just throw it all over people. And uh, boy, if you are the Patriots and for two decades, everyone in that division was looking at you and saying, what are we going to do about Tom Brady? Like we, we have to figure this out. The past three games, uh, sorry, let, let me rephrase that. It's the past four games, but we're throwing away the, uh, the Gale force win game in, uh, in December. You so the that game. I, 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 I enjoyed that game fine. I just thought the takes off of it were ridiculous, specifically the takes that were like, well, you know, Belichick just doesn't have any respect for Josh Allen, and that's why he was willing to go out there. And It's like, no, that's not it at all. Josh Allen just destroyed his defense less than a year ago. So the last three games uh, where we've had normal conditions between these two teams, uh, Bills are just under 40 points per game. The last two games, they haven't punted a single time. Uh, and the difference in this one, and you said it with Brian Dable, because when they met in Foxborough, a lot of that was Josh Allen's superhero ball. I mean, it, it was just incredible plays that it was just kind of like, okay, well, that's not by design. That's just uh, an unbelievable athlete doing something that should not be done. Uh, there wasn't a ton of that on Saturday night. It was just every call was working. So 
if you're Bill Belichick, I don't know what you really do at this point because I I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I can't remember a Belichick defense just being consistently dominated by a single player and a single offense uh, repeatedly at this point, basically three times in a row. Yeah, uh, fairly stunning, and especially since, and I I know this is, you know, it's not anybody's favorite comp, but, you know, I was asking about Josh Allen in the offseason when I was talking to a few NFL coaches, and they're like, it's... It's Cam Newton. It's it's a slightly more accurate Cam Newton, right? It's a it's a little it's a Cam Newton with maybe some better touch uh, on the ball, and you know maybe with a little bit better arm strength too. To be quite honest, you know it's and but the the theory is similar in that you want to spread teams out and then you want to force them to decide if they're going to devote somebody to prevent Josh Allen from running or if they're going to drop that extra defender and and take away like Stefan Diggs or something like that. And I'm I'm surprised that the Patriots who had Cam Newton and who can adequately defend Cam Newton and who have seen who have seen Josh Allen as many times as they have have sort of struggled to find with the versatile players that they've had the adequate balance between personnel deployment. Like it just seemed like they were completely lost. I mean they tried rushing you know, a ton of people and ha- almost successfully rushed a lot of people into designed quarterback runs and still couldn't stop anything. So, you know, you, you just wonder what happened there. Other side of the ball, Mac Jones was very Mac Jonesian. And uh, it's sort of a, uh, we don't want to get too far into the future at this point. Mac Jones is going to be the guy there for, for a minimum of the next four seasons. And uh, I don't know if there's any real reason to, to think uh, it won't be beyond that. But uh, it's like a double-edged sword here because you're Mac Jones. You've been drafted by Bill Belichick, and that automatically uh, you know, sort of sort of coronates you in a way as, as a guy who is is going to be a, a special player. And he was you know, by far the best rookie quarterbacks this year, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, I mean, for the next five years, he's going to play twice a year, at least, against these Bills. And when you see Josh Allen out there, and then you see Mac Jones out there, it's kind of like, oh, all right, this is <laughs> this is really a... Uh, I mean, Bill Belichick kept on saying after the game, uh, you know, he just kept on repeating, like, we just couldn't keep up with him. And... I mean that's kind of that's kind of it. You're not going to be able to keep up with them. A couple of Mac Jones things. Uh, well, I agree with you, obviously, but that first drive up until the Micah Hyde interception, he was he was fantastic. Like he was making off schedule plays. He was stepping yeah. up in the pocket and hitting receivers. I think he had like a 20 yard run on that drive or it was he at least did. a 20 yard run. Um, he did. I'd actually written down uh, after the bills opening drive because Josh Allen had two out of structure plays that were fantastic. And I, I just sort of jotted down like, you know, not getting that from Mac Jones and no, he came back immediately and had two of them on their drive. It would have been awesome if they just went purely like Mac Jones zone read and they were like, try to stop this guys, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, you're not going to, so either the defense has to get way better, which it could, um, Mm -hmm. or the, because here's the other thing about Josh Allen, right? We, he is peaking at this moment. Um, he's having his hot girl summer. And so he is, at a point where we're just not able to fathom how to slow him down when in reality, every quarterback eventually gets slowed down. Right. I mean, Bill Belichick will figure out a way to slow him down. He will, he will get the right personnel in there and he will have a defense to stop him at some point. And I think when that happens, you'll be able to at least play adequate, you know, Mac Jones can hang on his heels long enough, but not, not last night, not in that environment. Not when you fall down fourteen nothing like that was that was just a death sentence and that place was on fire from the minute everybody walked in there and you always think of the Patriots as like these emotionless crowd averse people but I I would have been absolutely intimidated beyond belief to, <laughs> to, to play in that stadium like even their musical choice of everything is is terrifying like it's all these like it's all these angry drunk people in hunting gear and then their touchdown song is shout and yeah and then it's just so like you're just like oh wow it's like when um 
It's like in a horror movie when uh, when like the killer's in there and he plays something weird like uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know like like a B side off of like um like a zeppelin album or something yeah. like that you know like just some weird sort of like uh like living love and made or something like that you know um but yeah it's that that was the kind of thing the whole thing was just very circus-esque i i would have i i i mean i would never play in the nfl but i also would just wouldn't want to play the bills very tarantino-ish with the uh music selections yes. uh, along with the the intimidation factor but yeah bills make me want to shout i mean they they have to play it so yeah, it'll be a good one next weekend. Uh, they're going back to Kansas City. They won there by 18 earlier this season in sort of a rainy Sunday night game. And uh, I don't know. Both these teams are pretty much at their peak right now. And I, you know, I feel like this is some sort of uh, apology from the Cosmos after putting the Steelers in the playoffs and putting that game on Sunday night. We get this one with the uh, really two quarterbacks at the peak of their powers right now. Yeah, uh, the the. The seventh, the additional team in the playoffs was my fault. I'll, I'll take the full blame for that. And when that happened, I was like, this is a great idea. And editor Mitch was like, this is a horrible idea. And I was like, no, you're wrong. Like, there's going to be a seventh seed that makes a run here. And, like, the NFL is great and other teams are going to get hot. And then, like, the Bears-Saints game happened. And then this game happened. And I was like, yeah, no, you were, you were totally right. We should never allow more teams in the playoffs. So this is good. Chiefs, Bills. Um, I think there's at this point in time, at this moment where I'm sitting here right now, I don't see a way that the Chiefs' defense stops Buffalo. Like I see, I have Buffalo going to the Super Bowl, so I might be biased here. And the Chiefs obviously looked fantastic; they looked electric against the Steelers. But I see Buffalo rolling in this game. I I, I honestly don't think it's going to be close. Well, we'll have more about that uh, on the midweek show when we preview the conference mm-hmm. semifinals. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Raiders Bengals. All right, so we're back at the first game of wildcard weekend, and uh, that was, of course, the Bengals' home victory over the Raiders' first time in a million years they've won a postseason game. Uh, Look, this game was actually, it kind of unfolded exactly as expected, with maybe the exception of uh, the Raiders' defense did hold in the red zone a little bit, which they just haven't done over the course of the year. Uh, that you know, as I always say, that's a those are always small sample sizes. They are volatile from uh, week to week, and and the defense held on this week. But uh, boy, Joe Burrow, and and I feel like uh, we talk about it every week. It's not just the efficiency and and the fact that he's playing really well and and all that stuff. That offense he runs is like, I mean, that's what are if Peyton Manning was back in the league, that's the kind of offense you'd have him running. That is a yep. an offense of like a a ten year veteran, and he is operating it at just an incredible level, and he's doing it with the right side of the offensive line that doesn't really offer any resistance. That first touchdown throw was nobody was open on that play. Nobody. Yeah. Uh, the tight end that he threw it to was not open and they had an inside leverage defender, which is, you would guess that's kind of where he was going to throw the ball. And then they had somebody on if, if he tried to kind of throw like a stretch ball to try to let, um, CJ try to kind of like catch it like a post defender. Almost. They had a guy there too. Mm -hmm. Um, there was no window and he completed that pass. I still have no idea how he completed that pass. And the Raiders all day just dared him to, uh, to complete high difficulty passes. So it was like, 
you know, comebacks right at the uh, uh, right on the sideline or, you know, uh, any of these sort of deep outs, all this stuff. And he just did it like he just said, okay, if these are the throws you're giving me, like we're just going to bang you uh, like that. Jamar Chase uh, was spectacular, but this is Burrow just making throw after throw after throw. You can't defend that. Um, As much as we said you can't defend Josh Allen, Burrow's a different player, but in a similar way, you just can't stop that. It is. I mean, look, this season was absolutely like, I mean, Josh Allen might have already been knocking on the door there, but but Burrow and Herbert uh, just took their game into that level of, you know, sort of the, the next generational quarterbacks here. Um, as far as the Raiders go, they were one throw away from forcing overtime here, a team that really should have just gone away, I don't know, in like uh, early December or something like that. They stuck around throughout. Uh, Derek Carr, look, my Derek Carr take is there are so many quarterbacks around the league who just absolutely, you know, twist themselves, uh, into convincing themselves that they're, they're, they're underdogs in some way. They've been disrespected in some way. They didn't go number one overall. They didn't win the Heisman. They weren't recruited by, uh, X school coming out of a high school or, or in some cases they just, the offer came later than they wanted to. And, uh, Derek Carr three years ago, uh, basically had a coach who was just, you know, even not so subtly looking for another quarterback. <laughs> and, you know, he sort of, he ends up outlasting that coach and he ends up being the one who really, you know, carries might be overstating it because there were obviously a lot of parts of this team that end up working out well. But, uh, I mean, he was as responsible as anyone for having this team in the position it was, which is a position they had just no right being in. Yeah, John Gruden, like Derek Carr walked in and John Gruden had his feet up on the desk reading other quarterbacks magazine. And yeah. uh, it's a good it, magazine. Uh, yeah, it, it, I, I do enjoy other quarterbacks. Uh, it's my second favorite magazine. And um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he was in on the Tom Brady thing. I mean, uh, you know, pardon the French, but like when Tom Brady was on the shop and he said, you're going to you're going to pick that motherfucker over me. That was Derek Carr. Like <laughs> he was talking about Derek Carr and uh I, I'm I'm happy for him. I think he was perpetually like the tenth, maybe eleventh best quarterback in the NFL, which is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, he makes much less than some of these other players. Uh, plays in a situation that's far less enviable, and really stepped up. I mean, throughout the season this year, um, made some of the best throws that I think he's ever made in his career. I think he's made some of the toughest throws. Like there was the Steelers game, I think it was, or or maybe it was the Ravens game, where he just got the crap beaten out of him, and he's uh, and he's stepping up and and completing passes. And I think this is a nice thing. Like if you're Las Vegas, as much as I'm trying to talk myself out of hiring an interim coach, if Derek Carr becomes who he is now, I think it it's a less intimidating prospect. Like he can help you lead that franchise. They gotta run it back. <laughs> they just gotta try it. You just gotta try it. Just it just might work. You did it with the other guy. I mean, you got the guy you wanted and you pined over for years and you didn't go anywhere. Rich Bisacci was the guy you had to take you to the uh, place you wanted to go. He wrote a handwritten letter to every single staffer after the game. How about that? Yeah, just like a sweet old guy thing to do. And really, if you're gonna miss on a head coach. Don't you miss on like a sweet old, sweet old Italian man? Like, wouldn't that be just like that's the miss, right? That like, is, that's you know, uh, that George Young would tell you that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's true. This is it's probably a very dated vision of a football team, but um, <laughs> uh, no, you could do worse. You could do worse than Rich Bisaccia right now. Yes, absolutely. Urban Meyer. <clears throat> That's what we're all thinking. The last two like super coach hirings were basically Urban Meyer and John Gruden. Yeah, look, look how those out. worked out. Yeah. Um, I was thinking at the beginning of this segment, I was just going to let you intro Raiders, uh, Bengals, and then I was just going to blow a whistle, uh, really loudly in the middle of what you were saying. At the risk of, I was still thinking about it. At the risk of, it would have woken up the dog, and then the dog would woke up the yep. kids, and then yep, uh, and then I wouldn't be allowed to do this podcast anymore. But um. That was just so egregious and so awful. And everyone's like, well, he probably would have caught it anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like if you're, <laughs> we, we need to start. 
allowing referees to be humanized to the point where they can say, yeah, I screwed that up. Like I made a mistake. I blew a whistle and uh, we need to we need to run this play back again and start over. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, I, I, yes, it probably was going to be a touchdown. Uh, I don't know. Does does the safety come over and, and separate Tyler Boyd from the ball if, if the whistle hasn't blown or something like that? So there's, but also it just, <laughs> you've, you've stopped the play. Blowing the whistle stops the play. That's like in the uh, rule book. I yeah. even looked, I, I looked up the rule and I hate looking things up and I looked it up and it's there. Can't do that. I mean, and I'm trying to think of a scenario. I mean, if you had a guy with no one within 40 yards of him who was, like, walking into the end zone, uh, maybe you could be like, okay, well, this was inevitable. But, uh, man, it's just so bad. And, again, it's just another one of those things where it's like everyone watching the game live was like, oh, that's really weird how they blew the whistle in the middle of the game, and now we're just not going to do anything about it. Uh, So, you know, you get – everyone knows what happened. You get the explanation on the field, which everyone knows is incorrect. And then you get the statement from the league after the game where it's like, well, you know, they decided on the field. But uh, like anyone with a TV, anyone with a with a device of, of any kind that could have been streaming the game uh, could have told you what the correct ruling was right there. And that's, I don't know. It's sort of the football equivalent of, um, did you ever, uh, you ever play bingo and then yell bingo if you didn't have bingo? No, that's a total jerk move. Oh, man. That was like, <laughs> we used to live for that. Like at the church picnic every year, you just sit in on bingo and you'd be like, bingo. And then the person yeah. would be like, okay, everyone hands away from the cards. And then we'd be like, ha ha, no, just kidding. And they'd be like, oh, we hate kids. And, uh, <laughs> I, but this was the football, like, y- you blew the whistle. It's bi- You're yelling bingo, uh, hands off the cards. And, uh, no. You can't, you can't do that. And the, and the and the Raiders are just Raiders fans have been through enough. Like Raiders yeah. fans have been living with tin foil hats on. In some reasons, legitimately believing that the league has it out for them. You know, at this point, mm-hmm. like I'm almost converted. And uh, and then that happens, and it's just like just just play the down over again, just for once. Make get these people off of the deepest recesses of Reddit and, and and back into the real world where they agree that officiating is somewhat fair and benevolent. Mm. Don't call bingo if you don't have bingo. Don't don't do that's it. but put a, but put do, on a t shirt. Do it when you're young, because well don't yeah definitely don't do it when you're old. All right, we will have a preview of the conference semifinal games coming up on the midweek show, but. Uh, That's going to do it for now. Enjoy Monday Night Football. The MMQB NFL podcast is Connor Orr and me, Gary Gramling. We are produced by Shelby Royson. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. And our senior podcast producer is Dan Bloom. Mark Mravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB. And Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts, and once you do, please leave a rating and review because it really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 